Nice golf today on a Tuesday. Damon Hack alongside Eamon Lynch, Golf Week Magazine. We have quite the robust, interesting, eclectic, I would say, guest list today, including a baseball Hall of Famer in John Smoltz. We're going to talk to him down in Orlando. I want to ask him if golf needs a kind of like a shot clock, like baseball had a pitch clock in 2023. And by most accounts, it was successful. Kind of sped up the game a little bit. Shot clock. We should give an electric cattle prod to some of the <laughs> marshals out there to get these guys moving. But yeah, we do have a great list of guests today. And it's a lot of people who've excelled in other endeavors, but mm. now they're all being humbled mm. by golf. This game is the great leveler, Damon. It is going to be a lot of fun on this Tuesday. We kick off this Tuesday, by the way, the focus on the LPGA season opener down in Orlando, Florida. The Hilton Grand Vacations Tournament of Champions begins Thursday on Golf Channel, featuring winners for the last couple of years and a celebrity championship at Lake Nona as well. Now, I want to take you back to June, one of the moments of 2023. Rose Zhang's first start as a professional, the Stanford standout, won her first LPGA Tour title at the Mizuho Americas Open at Liberty National, accepted immediate LPGA Tour membership and got the win in front of fellow Stanford alum and tournament host Michelle Wee. And Rosang is one of the notable players in the field this week, including every major winner from 2023 on the LPGA Tour, including Lily Vu, Ronin Yin, Alison Corpus, and Celine Boutier. And with more on some of the first-time participants at the Hilton Grand Tournament in Orlando, we welcome in Amy Rogers from Lake Nona. Hey there, Eamon. Well, the LPGA Tour kicks off its season with one of the most unique events that they have all season long. It's the Hilton Grand Vacations Tournament of Champions. It's a winner's only field, so players that have hoisted a trophy over the last two seasons on the LPGA Tour, and they get to play alongside celebrities. Celebrities from film, from entertainment, from sport. So this year, 35 players have qualified for this year's event, and of those 35, nearly a dozen are making their debut in this event and it just speaks to the parody that we've seen over these last two seasons on the LPGA Tour with so many first time winners. Now among those first time winners, Lilia Vu, the current world number one who won four times last year to earn a spot here in the field at the Tournament of Champions. I had a chance to speak with her earlier today to find out what she's heard, what she's expecting about getting to play in this unique event. And I spoke with a number of other first timers as well to find out what they've heard and who they're looking forward to meeting. I heard this event's really fun. I think for the celebrities it's going to be a stable third, but I think we're going to have a lot of fun. I don't know how many celebs we get to play in our group, but super excited to meeting them and playing golf with them. This is the first time you've gotten a chance to play out here at Lake Nona Golf and Country Club. What are your overall impressions of the course? I think it's beautiful first off and not your typical Florida golf course. I think it was a little more I only played the back nine yesterday but more difficult than most and the greens are probably the trickiest part there's a lot of falses in different areas and you kind of have to think about where you want to land the ball you know I've heard such great things about this event I've heard how fun it is how cool it is to get to meet all these celebrities uh, and just kind of exhibit you know some great golf both on and off the golf course and just some good uh, friendships are made here Speaking of some of those celebrities, is there anyone in particular that you're hoping maybe just to meet or maybe get to play with this week? Um, so I had the pleasure of meeting Tuka Rask at a charity event a few years ago in Boston. And so when I saw that his name was on the list, I was like, oh my God, that's super cool. Because um, we had tried to play golf together, but you know, he was busy with his season and I was obviously busy with mine and 
me not wanting to touch a golf club in the winter, him being in season, uh, we never really got to get a chance to play together. So hopefully, you know, we get to play together this week. But I saw him this week already, and, you know, it's it's super cool to see everyone kind of here. And I know, I know everyone's a great golfer as well, so it's very exciting. Yeah, I think just having the opportunity to meet a bunch of new people, I mean, no matter who you get paired with, it's going to be a good pairing. So, yeah, looking forward to that and just the format of, you know, it's a little different from a regular tour event, just being able to play with the celebrities. Speaking of those celebrities, there's so many different ones that are here from music to television to sports. Is there any anybody in particular that you're really hoping to get to chat with or maybe get to play with? Yeah, honestly, um, I mean, Hallie Ledbetter, I think I've been following her for, for a few years now and I love her content. I love how, you know, she's really trying to bring women into the game and I think that's awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'll be happy with whoever I get. Lake Nona Golf and Country Club is hosting this week's event. You heard Lilia Vu talk about it just a moment ago. When she played a practice round here on Monday, it was the first time that she had ever played this golf course. She told me that there, there's a lot of undulations on and around the green, which she really likes. She said she feels like it's going to be a really tough test, and that's something that she really enjoys. She likes when it's going to be challenging, and she told me she feels like Lake Nona really sets up well for her and her game. She also went on to tell me she was feeling a little stressed, you know, coming into into the week, uh, but was feeling a lot better just getting to know and getting to see the golf course for the very first time. Damon and Eamon. Amy Rogers reporting from Orlando. I should have given her a Sharpie to get some autographs because as mentioned, there is a robust celebrity component to this week's event down in Orlando. You see Emmett Smith, man, the Cowboys could have used him over the weekend against the Packers. Hoping to catch up with U.S. soccer star Landon Donovan. A little bit later, Annika in the field as well at her home course, Lake Nona. Now, World Series champ and baseball Hall of Famer John Smoltz is a two-time winner of the celeb portion of this week's event, taking home the title in 2019 and going back-to-back -back the following year. And Smoltz joins us now from Lake Nona. Great to see you. You advanced to the final stage of PGA Tour Champions Q School last month for the very first time. What did you take away from that experience? Well, I'll tell people, if you want to be tested, tried, and you want to just be humiliated, play in a tournament, right? That'll find your golf game. If you really want a reality check, try to qualify for uh, a tour. Honestly, guys, I, I, it was a blast, but I, I, it was the perfect storm. I played 31 rounds in 33 days trying to get to that point. I would have had a redo. I would have canceled something in between. But I always try to, to see where my game is. Coming off the World Series, 11 straight days in the first uh, stage getting through was was fun. It was a great accomplishment. Played in another tournament that I probably wish I wouldn't have seven days in a row and then went right to Scottsdale and had the reality check of a lifetime. Uh, yeah, it's not for everybody and it's not for for me in the future to think that I was ever going to play on this tour. But man, oh man, what a, what a grind and what an, uh, what a re realization of how great these guys are. And some of them I, I was more shocked on who I saw at the final stage trying to get their card than I was, reality was I was never going to get that. I just wanted to see how good my golf game could get. John, you may not have gotten your tour card, but you have played a bunch out on the PGA Tour Champions, and you carry a plus handicap, which is better than most of us are ever going to see. When you have an experience like that, do you have a sense of what separates you from the guys who did get their cards and who are out there all the time? Yeah, it's, I mean, 100 yards in, easy. Uh, it's the putter. The putter in the first stage, I don't think I had a, 
around over 25 putts. In the, in the final stage, I don't think I had a, a round under 38 putts. Two different surfaces, two to I lost complete control of speed and confidence. And I think those, look, I, I've watched these guys play forever now and they don't lose, they may lose their confidence, but they don't lose the idea of how to navigate a golf course. To me, it's still a work in progress. I don't p pretend to even have the time to dedicate to it. And what the last stage taught me was I need to start, not completely over, but I need to train again. I need to get better at that area. Uh, and anybody can play in a tournament casually in their golf club, in a club championship, and have their moments. Man, when you're playing in a tournament like this magnitude, everything gets magnified. And that's what I learned, that you know my up, my up and downs, the putting, the, the finite shots that you got to have, those are the separating factors for me. We sometimes ask, you know, players like you from other sports what you gain from playing alongside LPGA players or PGA Tour champions players. If a young LPGA player came up to you, Smolty, and said, you know, how can you help me, you know, take my game to the next level in terms of the mental game, having been a Cy Young Award winner and a World Series champ, what advice would you give to a young LPGA player? Well, I'm assuming they're all going to have the same kind of ability, desire to practice and be disciplined. I think the biggest thing is the commitment to mentally doing the things and learning from failure. I take notes all the time. I got an array of notes from that last tournament on what I need to do better because I think as athletes, we love to be in the zone and everyone wants to be a Michael Jordan or a Tiger Woods, but they don't realize the difference is basically learning from your past mistakes so that you breathe differently. And I would say learning in the moment how to think differently, be different, but also be committed. And, and that's the hardest part of any great champion is they're committed. You know, if, for a pitcher, if I throw the pitch and I'm 50-50, it never works out. Same thing with a golf shot. Mechanically, they're all sound. Mechanically, they're, they're close to each other in the ability to swing a golf club. But the mental toughness that it takes to walk down the 18th fairway or to hit a shot under pressure, that's the separator. And, and we think every athlete can be infused into that. It's not that easy. And so I would tell a young player, it really comes down to personal note taking and making the different uh, adjustments that you have to make so that when you get to that mark of winning a tournament or in the bur beginning to win a tournament for the first time, you then learn and it becomes commonplace. And that's what the greats are. They, it becomes commonplace for most of them. John, when you win celebrity events and you've won here twice, do people stop thinking of you as John Smoltz, the ball player, and start thinking of you as John Smoltz, the capable quality golfer? And does that put a little bit of extra pressure on you? Because you can't suddenly throw up your hands and go, well, hey, it's my second sport. I'm actually a, a baseball player. People expect more from you on a week like this now, don't they? Yeah, I, I love it, though. I mean, there's a lot of pressure on me because of some of the things I've done in the past, where it's qualifying for the US Open or getting to the final stage. So people think, well, that should translate into winning three-fourths of the celebrity tournaments. What they don't understand is some of these guys are 20 and 30 years younger and bomb it. So there are factors that, that I love getting here and the grind of a four-round four tournament. And yeah, I won two in a row uh, at, a, at another tournament and then they, or another golf course, and they moved it here. So I gotta, I gotta conquer this beast first. Uh, this is a great golf course, a great venue. And there's some really, really studs playing here, not to mention Annika. So I love the fact that they're going to keep scoring. There's a scoreboard and there's a tournament because when I when I enter it, it's all kinds of fun and then it becomes business. But yeah, there's a lot of pressure, especially on some of the events I haven't won that people think I should have based on some of the abilities that I have. But 
hey, I'm having, I'm having a blast learning to become the best golfer that I can, and I make no bones about it. I want to start shooting my age here in about nine years. I'm 56, so, you know, 65 sounds good. Is it fair to say that you put the same expectations on yourself when you walk to the first tee now in an event like this as you would have when you walked onto the mound years ago? Yeah, it's fair to say. I, I think I've learned some things to kind of uh, ease the whip that I have on myself. I whip myself pretty hard, and I, I take it pretty um, personally, uh, probably more than I should. And, and I, I'm trying to find that happy place on the golf course to where expectations meet the desire of, of literally trying to just go shot to shot. When I was in a baseball field, I had eight teammates that could help me out. When you're on a golf course, you really, other than your caddy, you're up, you're up to your own. And, and I think it's being able to separate what just happened and move forward. I'm not very, my brain is so connected to score, and I can remember every shot that I've had in the last seven rounds. I wish that weren't the case because then I get consumed with the outcome and I'm not passionate about what, what's going to take place in the next shot. And I think making birdies and, and knowing those kind of things and points, I wish I know how many points I have through 10 holes. I wish I could eliminate that. And I think I would be better served uh, um, to play better in this tournament if I could just separate that part and just concentrate shot to shot. Speaking of baseball, baseball had a pitch clock last season. Games were about 24 minutes shorter than the previous year. Fans seem to enjoy it. Does golf, professional golf, from a viewer standpoint, need perhaps a shot clock to speed up the game in this fast era, fast time, people busy era that we're all living in? I'm going to say absolutely 100% yes. But that's coming from a guy who likes to play fast anyways. I think golf in its purest form is such a great sport that can play well into your years, right? Every other sport has an expiration date. But from a consumer and a standpoint of watching the game, there's no doubt some of the greatest in the world. And it's a byproduct of what they're allowed to do. If you're allowed to play in five hours, you're going to play in five hours. And I hear, hear golfers all the time say, when I'm put on the clock, I can do it but I don't prefer to do it. So it's the byproduct of how they've trained. And you just mentioned baseball. Guys had to learn on the fly to play the game faster. Once they do, there will be a small percentage that it impacts negatively. And I think the same would be said for golf. You know, uh, Selfishly speaking, I'd love to see more shots on TV. I'd like to see those kind of things go a little quicker, but that's just one opinion. And I would probably say when you're in the sport, you don't think about what everybody else is saying and that question you asked me. You just think about how do I survive my sport? How do I take advantage of the rules that are there? You're not concerned with the next 10 years or even the, 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 the viewership concerns. So I think it's different when you ask a player than when you ask somebody who loves the game and watches it from afar. You're going to be playing with elite golfers again this week, John. You've done that so many times, both competitively and recreationally. Of all the people you've played with who play for a living, who impressed you most by the manner in which they go about their business? Uh, there's so many. I mean, you guys know I played with Tiger a lot back in the day when we were uh, I was playing uh, professionally. But Annika is somebody that, you know, when, when I got a chance to play with her, and, and, and we're talking about two of the greatest that ever played in any sports, both Annika and Tiger, and just the way that she navigates and the way that she universally changed that sport of, of LPGA. I, I just, I'm so blown away by the fact that, you know, 
she never misses a fairway and she has this ability to have this unique head action that just the ball and, and the golf seems easier when she was playing it the way she was and now obviously all the athletes from both the LPGA and the PGA they've gotten bigger stronger and they navigate the game totally different but from the purest standpoint I was so intrigued with just plodding along perfectly that the rough was never even in play one of the one of the funniest lines I'd heard when she came to Tahoe and played in the event for the first time her husband Mike Caddy and you know he came out the pro says man in Tahoe the rough is the big it's the worst it's ever been he goes the rough we're never going to be in the rough. We don't know how the greens are. And it was it was so perfect because she never missed a fairway. Smoltz, I want to leave you with this. When's the last time you threw a baseball and was it a strike? No, uh, the last time I threw a baseball was throwing a first pitch. I told the young kid, please do not squat. Stand up. My shoulder's shot. If you squat, I'm going to throw it in the dirt. I'm going to try to throw it too hard. 60 feet now looks like 120 feet. I, my shoulder is barely hanging on. I've got two grandkids, and I'm sure more on the way, and I want to be able to play catch with them, and I know they're going to ask me to play catch, and they're going to look at me someday and go, you literally pitched before? Like, you can't even get it 16 feet to me. So I don't care to throw anything anymore, but um, – uh, Throwing out the first pitch, I've never been more nervous in my life than throwing out the first pitch, which probably was five years ago. My shoulder's done. Well, you're playing the right sport now. Best of luck as you go for title number three in Orlando. We'll speak to you soon. Thanks, guys. Our next guest scored more than 5,000 points in the NBA, but he's looking for lower numbers this week. Chandler Parsons. Former Rockets, Mavericks, and Grizzlies standout. He's debuting at Hilton Brand Vacation Tournament of Champions. We're going to talk to him next. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help Dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power Dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything Dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. And Chandler joins us now from Lake Nona. Six foot nine. What was the process of getting fit for golf clubs, Chandler? It could not have been easy at your height. Oh, man, it, it definitely wasn't easy. I basically I started playing like three years ago, kind of when I stopped playing golf, uh, which growing up in Orlando, I probably should have started earlier, and, you know, playing in the NBA, traveling to all these awesome cities with awesome courses. I never got the chance to, but I basically went to Truspec in L.A. and just pounded balls for about three or four hours. And I think they just picked the most expensive clubs, and that's what <laughs> I ran with. And uh, I've got I've gotten so somewhat better. So it's, it's, it's been good and it's been so much fun. Chandler, this is your debut here in this tournament. I'm curious what your goal is for the week. Is it performance related or is it just to have fun? Uh, a little bit of both. Obviously, being an athlete, I'm competitive. Uh, there's some really good golfers here, though, and I, I'm, I'm not. So it's I'm OK. I'm like a 10, 11 handicap. But when you see guys like, you know, Marty Fish and John Smoltz and Annika, people like that that can really hit the ball. 
Uh, those are the ones that you're going to probably see on top of the leaderboard. But I'm just excited to come out here, meet some really cool people. Like I said, I'm from Orlando, so having my family here, uh, it'll just be fine. I've never played Lake Nona. The course looks beautiful. So just a good time, a great weekend with some friends, and, and always fun playing golf. Speaking of 10, now my kids are huge NBA fans. They said you once made 10 three-pointers in one half of basketball. What is the golf equivalent of 10 three-pointers in one half in an Oof. NBA game? Man, it was uh, – that was a real heater I was on. It was it was crazy. It was 10 three. It's, it's still the record. I think Steph, I think Clay Thompson, they, they have tied it uh, uh, since. But – Equivalent to golf, that's tough, man. That's probably like, it's probably close to two hole-in-ones maybe in, in one round, I'd say. It's, it's, it, it was pretty tough, man. It's only 24 minutes in, in the half, so you got to really get going, and you also got to take a lot of shots. So you need a lot of good teammates, too, to get you open that many times. How tough is it when you've excelled at one sport? Chandler to then turn around and start playing with some passion another sport but reconciling yourself to the fact that relative to the best you actually suck at that sport is it a very different mindset or is it still very much just fun <laughs> for you? yeah that's the beauty of it and again as, as an athlete you want to strive to continue to get better and you love the camaraderie you love the, the trash talking the gambling the, oh I'm getting too many strokes he's giving too many strokes so you love that aspect of it uh, but yeah, in the broad scheme of things, it, you, it's, it's humbling because you're not very good and you, you were very good at your craft and your sport and basketball has become so easy to me. Even baseball growing up, I could hit a you know 85 mile an hour slider that's moving. For some reason, I can't hit the ball that's on the tee in front of me that's not moving. So uh, it doesn't really make sense. I try to just do the same thing every time, uh, but I have fun with it again and I like it. And I don't practice as much as I should. I just love to get out there and play and hang with the guys. So. Maybe, I'll, maybe after this tournament, if I have a pretty good show, and I'll uh, actually start taking some lessons. Well, speaking of trash talk, Michael Jordan famously is a wonderful putter, terrific short game, and some people think it's because of the great touch he had when he played in the NBA. How's your short game putting? Is there any transition from your previous job to playing golf? Yeah, I do think that's probably the easiest transition, and a lot of guys obviously struggle with that, and I have my moments where you'll see a couple chunks and probably a lot of blades this weekend. But that's, to me, I think putting and kind of around the green short game where I have the feel, you have the finesse, the touch, the, the coordination as an athlete. So I think that's much easier to me than, you know, off the tee. It's, it could go anywhere, and it will go anywhere. When, when I score better when I'm good off the tee, but around the greens is definitely probably my best attribute. That fear of the tee ball going anywhere as a 10 handicapper, you're about to step on the first tee next to one of the world's best golfers, not knowing where the ball is going. <laughs> what are the nerves going to be like? You know what? I never got nervous playing basketball, so it's funny that I'll probably be nervous when I tee off in a tournament like this, which is funny. Even when you go playing like Riviera and they announce your name, uh, it's just something you, I don't have the reps. I don't have, you know, I have millions and millions of reps doing this but the golf swing is it's it's still pretty foreign although i've been playing for three years and i just hope there's not someone completely to my left because i play a big cut so be on the lookout if, if you see parsons on the tee box there's quite a robust list of celebrities and, and athletes from different sports who once they start going down the, the road of celebrity golf they dig in they don't leave john smoltz uh, for example, Brian Baumgartner. I mean, there are folks that just want to do this all the time. Patrick Mahomes 
as well, Travis Kelsey. Like, how much do you want this to become kind of a part of what you do and really dig into the celebrity golf scene? Yeah, well, I've been I've been lucky enough this past year. I got to play in some really cool tournaments. I play a Justin Timberlake's tournament uh, every year at the Win in Las Vegas. That's a blast. I played in Mahomes' tournament in Hawaii this past year. I played in Derek Jeter's tournament down in Bahamas. So I've kind of played in these more casual, fun, drinking, uh, less played as it lies tournaments. So this is kind of my first actual, you know pro tournament rules caddy spotters things like that so that'll also be it's just it presents another challenge and trust me i'm still gonna have fun with it i'm still gonna be out there having a ball but this is definitely a whole nother element playing you know by the book rather than like a celebrity scramble fluff your ball up type of situation the john smokes we just heard from and john's one of those guys who has been sucked into the the dark hole of these celebrity tournaments and he's competitive he wins them he's passionate about the game and he just told us he brings the same expectation to himself on the first tee as he did when he walked onto the mound in his career. Do you ever see yourself getting to that point where you expect the same of yourself as you did on the court? Or do you think that would actually ruin the fun of it for you? <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. I always say I never want to get as, you know, good enough to where I'm not having fun. I feel like you're missing the point if you're out here. And, John's a, he's in another level, right? He's a plus handicap. He's getting his card. He's 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 got goals in golf. I I use it, you know, as as a peaceful getaway. I love being outside. I love competing. Like I said, I love the camaraderie. I love the trash talk. Joining a country club is kind of the closest thing ex-athletes have to that NBA facility, to the locker room, to the banter. So to me, it brings me so much joy. And obviously, I want to continue to get better, and I and hopefully I do, and continue to make strides. But you know, when you're talking about guys like John Smoltz, the, you know, their game is far above mine. Well, trash talk in the NBA and some trash talk inside the ropes as well. My kids will be pumped that we spoke today, Chandler. Have a great week at Lake Nona. Look forward to speaking to you again down the road. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, folks. Still to come on Golf Today, Hilton Grand Vacations Tournament of Champions begins Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern right here on Golf Channel. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. today damon hack alongside amon lynch golf week magazine hope you're having a great tuesday we've had some great guests and a few more coming down the pike yeah we heard from john smoltz earlier who had a lot to say about your shot clock theory in golf he seemed to on. think that there's something to it i think the people might rally around you on that one but we've got some good guests coming up as well we have landon donovan soccer hall of famer coming up we also have pat mccabe the executive director at the amex tournament and joel beale who finds himself on this list of eminences as well today. Golf Digest writer who'll be joining us a little later. But we're getting set for the LPGA season opener down in Orlando. The Hilton Grand Vacations Tournament of Champions begins Thursday on Golf Channel featuring winners from the last two years and a celebrity championship that's been contested at Lake Nona. And here are some of the notables in the field.
you're going to see every major winner on the LPGA Tour last year, including world number one, Lilia Vu. The outstanding Roseanne is there as well. And here are the celebrities that you're going to find this week. Annika Thornstam, a 10-time major winner, competing as a celebrity. We heard from John Smoltz and Chandler Parsons earlier. Emmett Smith is in the field as well. And Landon Donovan, another Hall of Famer. Yeah, National Soccer Hall of Famer. Considered by many the best male American player of all time. He's making his tournament debut this week. Wonder if he's going to be a little bit nervous. Long history with the game of golf. First picked up a set of clubs in grade school and continues to play a good amount, including celebrity and pro-am events as well. And I believe Landon is joining us right now from Lake Nona. The story goes, Landon, you were kind of like a misbehaving third grader when you discovered golf what, what do you remember <laughs> did you call my mom for this info how'd you learn that <laughs> i'm a journalist buddy <laughs> <laughs> all right that's good so i uh, yeah actually i had a rule with my mom i was misbehaving when i was i was uh, i had a lot of energy a lot of trouble when i was young and my mom made a rule with me every day i would get a note from my teacher whether i had a good day or a bad day and after so many good days, I got to go golf with my mom. So it was good incentive, good motivation, and uh, it stuck with me forever. You've been in high pressure situations in sporting events for your entire adult life, Landon. How does that compare your past life in soccer with the kind of nerves or jitters you feel when you're going out there with the best players in the world and standing on the <laughs> tee with a gallery on either side of you? Yeah, I'm guessing you hear the same from most. Um, <clears throat> when I was playing as a player, soccer, you knew what you were doing. You were prepared. You'd done it thousands of times, so it was much easier. Here, you don't know what you're doing. So anytime I'm on a first tee with a lot of people around, it's nerve-wracking. Um, I've played a lot more in the last year, so I'm getting more used to it. But it's, it's challenging because it's something you don't know well, and you got people watching and judging you. So that's, that's the beauty of this game. And I think it's why most athletes gravitate towards golf is it's so humbling. It's really difficult to get good at. Landon, height of power, it was amazing watching you and what you could do with a soccer ball, hit it high, low, left to right, right to left, similar to how the best players in golf are able to hit golf shots. Is there any transition, any relation to, to kind of like an NFL kicker, for example, a lot of good golfers? Is there any kind of correlation between what you used to do right. and playing golf? Yeah, I think there are a lot of similarities to not only golf, soccer, but most sports, right? So watching the ball, right? When I, when I was in a bad run of form on the soccer field shooting, I would know when I went to strike the ball, if I picked my body and my head up, that was probably an issue. And golf is the same thing. Tennis is the same way. Uh, basketball, you, you know, watch the ball out of your hand. So a lot of sports are very similar. The problem with golf is that if I hit a, if I took a hundred shots that way with a soccer ball or a hundred basketball shots, I would never spray it 40 yards to the left or 40 yards to the right. And unfortunately in golf, you can do that every other shot, or at least I could do that every other shot. And that's what's so crazy and, and hard about this game and why you respect the men and women who do it at the highest level. In soccer, Landon, there seems to be a fairly binary way to assess whether or not you had a good day or a good week. It's either win or loss. But in, in golf, it's a little more complicated. What's your goal on a week like this? Is it based around your performance or is it simply how much you enjoy yourself? 
Good question. So this is my first actual official, uh, let's call it celebrity event, where there's a purse and there's also the LPGA women here taking it seriously. So my goal here is, one, to get invited back. Don't do anything stupid that the women hate you for. Um, but three, have a good time and try to play well. Um, but mostly I want to enjoy the week. I want to have fun and hit a bunch of good golf shots. Uh, the format's interesting. We don't know the exact rules yet, but it's some version of a Stableford. Stableford. So you don't get pun punished for you know, double, triple, quad bogeys, and, and you have the chance to be aggressive and just play. So I'm really looking forward to it. Speaking of getting invited, I understand you were invited to the Masters several years ago. How much did you nerd out and just enjoy every single step you took at Augusta National? <laughs> Yeah, what a special place. And for me, the, the coolest part about any event, um, you know, if I go to a tennis tournament, I go to a football game or a basketball game, is watching people at the very top of their game do what they do at the highest level. I, I have so much respect for people who are the very best at what they do. And so what I'm most excited about this week, of course, the playing is fun and hanging out with all these people, but I just want to be up close with the best women golfers on the planet and watch how they approach the ball, what they talk about, how they're interacting with their caddy, how they're managing the course. All that stuff to me is so fascinating. To watch the very best is going to be really special. Having been the very best in your own sport, how difficult is it then to transition where you're going to stand beside the best and kind of be reminded of your own mediocrity in a way? I think it's worse than mediocrity. Um, it's, it is humbling. You know, there's guys and girls I play with at our local club in Rancho Santa Fe, uh, San Diego, California, and just watching certain people. You know, Charlie Hoffman is a member there, and so we get to play with Charlie sometimes. And just the sound of the ball, the way he hits the ball, it's just so different than anything we do. And it, it's aspirational for us. We know we'll never get there, but we're going to shoot for it and keep trying all the time. Well, conventional wisdom would say that your legs are very strong, stronger than most. You know, do you use the ground forces <laughs> a la Rory McIlroy, a la Justin Thomas? Are you a big hitter for your size? Well, please don't ever compare me to Rory or JT again um, <laughs> in the same sentence. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously not a big guy. So I've, I've learned that I've got to, you know, you've, you've got to use your body um, effectively. And I had to do that on the soccer field too. There were guys who were stronger than I was and faster than I was. And you have to understand how the body works mechanically and, and try to take advantage of that. So I'm not a big hitter yet, maybe one day, um, but I got a long way to go. Landon, I have two 15-year-old identical twin nieces who are obsessed with soccer. Neve and Fiona, they would never forgive me if I didn't ask you for what one piece of advice that they should take, because I think they have a goal of playing golf or playing hmm. soccer in college. What's the piece of advice that you would give them? Great question. Um, I was very fortunate. My parents, only thing they ever cared about with me was that I was enjoying it and having fun. I ended up practicing on my own because I wanted to. I think youth sports now get a little overcomplicated with too much structured play and practice. There's nothing more valuable than a kid going in their backyard with a putter and hitting 100 putts or going and hitting 100 chips uh, on, my, you know, on my turf field in the backyard. When I was a kid, it was just going kicking the ball against the wall for hours. So as long as you really are enjoying it and having fun, 
the rest of it usually takes care of itself because you're doing all the requisite things needed. You're practicing as much as you need. Now, when you get to their age, when they're 15, you can have more structure, but a little tip for them and a little um, insight into my childhood, until I was 16, I never had more than two structured practices in a given week, ever. The rest of it was just me playing by myself. So there are ways to get there without having to do the six days a week and grinding for six hours at a time. Now, you need to do that, but you can do it in a less structured way where it remains fun. Wow, tremendous advice from one of the best to ever do it. Landon, have fun inside the ropes. Look forward to catching up with you sometime in the future. <laughs> Thank you, guys. I appreciate the time. With some news from the Epson Tour today, the schedule is out. For 2024, it includes 20 events with $5 million in total prize money, which is the largest in Epson Tour history. Also new this year is a new point structure to determine the top 10 players who will earn LPGA Tour cards for 2025. The new format will mirror the LPGA's race to the CME Globe structure. The 2024 season will kick off in March with the Florida's Natural Charity Classic. We'll be right back. Well, after two weeks in Hawaii, the PGA Tour returns to the continental United States for the American Express. The tournament is played over three courses, the Stadium Course and the Nicholas Tournament Course, both at PGA West and the Quinta Country Club. Quite a field assembled this week. A lot of attention will be on Daniel Berger, who's making his first start since the 2022 US Open. But Patrick Cantley, Xander Schalke, and world number one, Scotty Scheffler, are also in the field. We're going to welcome in now from California, Steve Berkowski, who's out there at the golf course. And Steve, there's been a lot of fretting about the ability of non-signature events to attract strong fields. That certainly doesn't seem to be a problem this week. No, not at all, Eamon. 65th plane of this tournament that has been a fixture in the Palm Springs area. And you just alluded to some of the names for the top 10 in the official world golf ranking in the field this week, led by Scotty Scheffler, Xander Shoffley, Patrick Cantley. They're fifth and sixth in those world ranking uh, points. And then Wyndham Clark, the U.S. Open champ, is 10th. I get the sense early on. And granted, it is a small sample size in 2024. You're going to see a lot more of the bigger names figuring out their schedules, playing maybe a bit more often than we have seen in the past. And, you know, begs the question of with this different looking schedule, 2024 starting the quick eight month run to the FedEx Cup playoffs. Perhaps this is a sign of things to come moving forward. We're only in the middle of January, something to keep an eye on over the coming weeks and months ahead. Berko could not have predicted a slump for Justin Thomas in 2023 coming off that second PGA championship in 2022. How important is this week and this season for the former world number one? Oh, I think it's enormous, and I think Justin Thomas, Damon, would be the very first to say it. Finished 78th in the FedEx Cup standings a year ago. Certainly not where we have become accustomed to seeing Justin Thomas in those, always seemingly making it to East Lake in contention for a FedEx Cup championship. And I'm always intrigued by Justin. Periodically, at the beginning or end of a year, he'll put those goals out that he has of himself on social media. And there weren't a lot of green checks at the end of 2023 for Justin, a lot of red X's. So I think this week is intriguing to see what he does, not only 
these four days ahead starting on Thursday, but in the weeks and months ahead, you don't become a multiple major champ, former number one in the world without having a lot of games. So at this point of his career, you know, we've seen some of the greats uh, in recent years, Jason Day, Jordan Spieth, ascend to those high levels and then drop back a bit. I think 2024 absolutely critical for Justin Thomas. He hasn't been to this event in nearly a decade. So I think after not getting his year going in Hawaii, uh, a big thing for Justin Thomas, I think, and I think he might say as well, is to get off to a good start. He alluded to the fact that he believed at the end of last year he was close, just didn't put four rounds together. Maybe this is the week for him to jumpstart some big things ahead for a two-time major champ. Another thing that's new this year, Steve, is the Aeon Swing 5, which is a, a mini points race in regular season events. And you can see the current standings here from Grayson Murray, who won last week in Hawaii. And the top five on this list will earn a place in a signature event, the AT&T at Pebble Beach. And it's really a device to ensure that the hot hands, those who are playing well, qualify for these events beyond the top 50 who automatically qualified based on their play last season. Do you get a sense from the guys out there, Steve, that they're paying attention to this list already? Oh, 100%. I heard many players on the range this morning, Eamon, talking about it, of what their schedule is going to look like. Are they going to play two, three, four in a row to maybe try to get into that first signature <laughs> event? It circles back to what I said just moments ago of scheduling and players seemingly going to be in the field a little bit more often than you would think or that hot hand that maybe had a tie for eighth there uh, at the Sony Open trying to catapult that into another good week up and down the range even Grayson Murray with whom I spoke uh, earlier today we'll hear from him on Golf Central later today he was mapping out his schedule for hey I don't want to play four in a row five in a row so for those in the signature events they've got to maybe revamp what they thought their schedule would look like to start the year and then for those trying to get into pebble and potentially other signature events I think it's just another variable that not only the top players in the game but those as you touched on riding a hot hand hope to continue to do so to get into some of those marquee events on the PGA Tour in 2024 little in-season jeopardy that's just how we like it Steve Brokowski reporting out <laughs> in the Coachella Valley what are your thoughts Eamon on this Aeon Swing 5 and the fact that there is something to play for in the middle of the season or in this case at the beginning of the season it, it matters a lot and I think it matters as much at tour headquarters as it matters on the range because the the tour does need to prove that to its own membership as much as to the fans that it's not a closed ecosystem with these signature events that the best players in the world, yes, they're going to be there. That product is guaranteed, but they haven't excluded guys who are playing well, who have on the basis of play in recent weeks earned a spot in there that people want to see. And a guy like Grayson Murray, obviously coming off a victory at the Sony Open, he's a guy fans might expect to see a few weeks down the road at a tournament like Pebble Beach at the AT&T. So it, it really does become a mechanism for churn. And they, the tour has, by its own modeling, suggested that somewhere in the high 30s to 40% of the top 50 would not necessarily be in that top 50 right. heading into next season. This is kind of the churn below the churn. They need to keep players who are demonstrating form and perhaps engaging fans as well to make sure that they can ride that hot hand 
and carry into the more limited field events just to prove that it's not going to be a self-perpetuating system that once you're in, you can't be pushed out. And how about this week specifically? The defending champ, of course, John Rahm, not in the field this week. He made a different decision now, a part of Live Golf. But to have four of the top ten in the world, to have the world number one, to have a two-time PGA champ in Justin Thomas, who, who obviously couldn't play uh, in the century, chose not to play at Sony. But the strength of this field, non-signature event, is quite strong. Yeah, one of the best follows on social media is the world golf rankings guru, Nosferatu, who pointed out a few days ago that in the entire history of the world golf ranking time period, which goes all the way back to 1986, this is the strongest field that has ever been assembled mm. for the American Express. And th that's got to be a good boon for the guys out there, simply because we hear so much these days about how difficult it's going to be for non-signature events, particularly early in the year, historically, to draw really elite fields. That's certainly not a problem this week. And even the, the added storyline of a Daniel Berger, mm. who's had injuries, he's been out since the, the country club, the US Open, back in June of 2022. That's a long gap. Yeah. So, And he was playing well before that. He was a winner on the PGA Tour. It's going to be interesting to see what he's got this week. So there's a lot of different storylines going this week. But, and Justin Thomas, is he's got to be a guy who's really trying to get off on a better footing this year than he's managed for the last sort of 18 months or so. Yeah, strong field and three fantastic courses in play this week. Let's take a look at some of the course notes, what you need to know this week. PGA West, Pete Dye Stadium course. You've got 7,187. The ball goes a long way typically in the desert. Some good weather is forecast. Temperatures in the 70s to start the tournament on Thursday. You got PGA West Jack Nicklaus tournament course in play. In La Quinta Country Club, typically that's where you go get it. Go shoot a score at La Quinta. So continuing the conversation about the American Express, we welcome in the executive director of the tournament, Pat McKay from the Coachella Valley. It's great to see you, Pat. To what do we owe this strong field at the American Express? Well, gentlemen, good morning. Happy New Year. And uh, certainly the weather helps, I'd say. It's a beautiful picture-perfect day out here in La Quinta, California, in the Coachella Valley. That helps a lot, but uh, I think uh, the, the schedule changed for sure. We see uh, guys getting their year started over here and uh, event number three on the FedEx Cup uh, schedule. So we're excited. We got a lot of great players, and uh, we're looking forward to a great, uh, great event for sure. Pat, I know you have a lot of logistical hurdles to get over as you're doing this job, but a curveball is kind of thrown to you when you don't have your defending champion in the field this year. And that happened also to your counterpart at the Century a couple of weeks ago when John Ram was no longer a PGA Tour player. How do you have to adjust or to what extent did you have to work around that reality and just plan without him? You know, it's uh, we deal with what what we have and um, you know, we're fortunate with what we, what we have. And, and anytime you've got the world number one in your field, we're proud about that. And so that's kind of what we're focused on and uh, looking forward to a great week. You know, the golf tournament is obviously the, the star of the show this week, but music, entertainment, you know, clients, you know, entertaining, for example. What else do you have to keep your eye on besides three golf courses and four rounds of golf? Um, yeah, we've got a great week. We've got Keith Urban coming out on Friday. We have uh, train on Saturday night. We've got perfect weather. We've got great fan venues and, uh, you know, something for everybody, right? Of course, we've got the top golfers in the world,
but two great acts who are going to put on a heck of a show certainly uh, after the concert on fr or after the the golf on Friday and Saturday over here at, at PJ West of course. Pat there's not much clarity in the world of golf these days in terms of the direction of where the PGA Tour is going but we do see occasionally sponsors changing direction you know farmers changing its focus Wells Fargo changing its focus and not continuing with their sponsorships. Do you sense any concern among tournaments and sponsors that the rapidly rising costs associated with tour events are unsustainable in any way? You know, we are fortunate here. Uh, American Express is our title sponsor. They're our title sponsor through 2028. And you see that around the grounds. It's premium experiences. It's uh, their card members being offered fantastic amenities here, their customers, their clients. And so with us getting that extension to, to, through 2028, we're happy, we're excited. You see it in the field. You see it in the quality of the golf courses and the caliber of that. And so right now, what we have going here, uh, event number three of the year, it's, uh, it's gonna be a fantastic week for sure. Pat, you guys are located uh, a couple hours uh, east of one of the great cities in the country, my native Los Angeles. I'm just curious, how much do you pull from the city in terms of fans versus the fans mostly coming from the surrounding Coachella Valley? Well, we're in a golf-rich community here, right? I mean, you've got some of the best courses in, uh, in the state of California and certainly uh, the West Coast. But uh, a lot of golf-rich people here, you know, the history of this event, 65 years we've been playing this tournament. And uh, so the fans here locally, first and foremost, then the folks over in Riverside County. And, and uh, I suspect a lot of the music fans in L.A. will be out here for train and Keith Urban. So, um, again, golf-rich community, golf state, uh, of course, you saw at the U.S. Open at LACC back in June, uh, the fans came out for sure. And. Uh, there's more PGA Tour events held here in the state of California than anywhere else. So that's fantastic. They're here. Then they're off to San Diego a couple weeks later. They're, of course, to, to the famed Riviera. So uh, it's a, it's a golf-heavy market, and, um, you know, we're looking forward to having everyone out here for sure. You've been planning for this for 51 weeks, Pat, at least, probably longer. What constitutes a good week for you? A good week is uh, the sunshine staying out and uh, continuing to stay out, which uh, I think the forecast is in our favor for sure. And, um, you know, just a, a safe week, a great week. Uh, happy clients, happy sponsors, happy players, happy volunteers. And uh, hopefully two guys in the lead playing the 72nd hole on Sunday. And uh, that would be, uh, be a win in my book for sure to celebrate the 65th anniversary. Pat, everybody wants to be number one, or most people want to be number one in their chosen endeavor. When you can say we have the number one player in the world in our field this week, what kind of a selling point is that for you in the Amex? Yeah, it's huge. I mean, Scotty's played with us for the last number of years. He's been uh, in and out of that top position as world number one. And so that's uh, fantastic. He, he only plays, what, 22-ish events a year. So the fact that we have him here, the fact that he'll be here playing uh, in front of all the fans and, and with our sponsors is fantastic. And then, you know, in that top 10 as well, you've got Xander Shoffley, you have Patrick Cantlay, and you keep going deeper in the field from Tony Finau to Tom Kim. Uh, then you've got fan favorites, Ricky Fowler and, and Shane Lowry, and the list kind of goes on and on. And so 
all those guys are fantastic. Uh, they've played with us the last number of years. Anytime you have the world number one, we're, we're fortunate to hang our hat on that at the end of the day. And who knows, maybe he'll roll one in on, uh, on Sunday to take home the trophy. It could happen. Pat, thank you. Wish you great weather and a great week. We're joined now by one of the best writers in this game, Joel Beale from Golf Digest. Joel, you had a column that you published today on Grayson Murray, who has been a difficult guy to root for in the past in this game for fans and certainly in the locker room as well. Do you think the victory changes any of that or is his image going to soften some? It's an interesting question because, you know, to put it kindly, Grayson's been a knucklehead, right? Um, he's said a lot of mean-spirited, divisive things. His behavior on the course has been childlike. There was that inappropriate comment he made toward a, towards a woman who was underage. Um, and unfortunately, these things often made it hard to be sympathetic when Murray went through some of his ordeals, like the scooter accident a couple of falls ago, or when he went public with his alcohol and mental health issues. And for the most part, as us as golf watchers, we really didn't have to deal with it because his play was so poor over the last five, six years. He sort of existed on the periphery of the sport. Uh, but yeah, and after what he did at Sony, he's now front and center. And, you know, he we have to deal with it. And he, he says he's a changed man. Uh, so raising the question, is this guy truly changed? Can we root for him? Uh, personally, I think it's fine to admire what it takes to battle the demons that Murray's had to deal with especially since so many people in this country deal with that stuff on a daily basis uh, for him to come out on the other side. Uh, again, it's, it's in inspirational really in a way. It's also fair to wonder though, is he truly changed or is this just somebody who in the glow of victory says he's changed? Uh, is he someone who just isn't on Twitter anymore? So he doesn't have a place to spew some of those conspiracy theories or hate with his past. I know it can sound naive to forgive him, especially to those he's really hurt. Uh, but to me, I think it's okay to extend the grace towards Murray and at least give him a chance and, and let, a, let him try to prove us wrong. Yeah, do we think he's changed because he won? How does this story different, Joel, if he finished second last week as opposed to winning? It's a good question. I, going back to his comments on Saturday uh, when he was kind of in the mix, he, he does seem... The, the sobriety of the last eight months does seem to make an impact. He's also... Uh, found a partner with he's engaged that that seems to make a big difference i i would not put it so much just on the victory itself i just think the victory has kind of put his story more front and center for us to deal with um i will say it does from talking to a few people he does his demeanor has seemed to change a little bit he's a little bit more at peace with himself uh, again that's easy for easy for us to say that when things are going well i think the real Barometer will be over these next couple months, especially if he maybe runs into a couple of missed cuts in a row or when something doesn't go his way. Then we'll kind of give him an idea of who he really is. But, hey, everyone likes to come back story. I think we at least give him the opportunity to, to show that he really is a changed guy. Well, from a complicated character in Grayson Murray to someone he actually grew up playing junior golf with in Jordan Spieth, you had a great column on him after his great finish on Maui. What are your thoughts on where Jordan Spieth is as a player into what should be the prime of his life in his 30s. Yeah, so much was made about Spieth's journey into the wilderness a couple of years ago and then his return from it that we really haven't discussed what he's been since, which is this weird purgatory of he's a good player, yet I think we still, and I know I'm guilty of this as well, we still talk about him like he's a great player and just the results haven't been there yet. I think a lot of that is because athletes, who would do achieve greatness, they kind of have this gravitational pull that can last long after the greatness is gone. 
Um, certainly that Jordan's a magnetic personality, both in who he is as the person and his playing style helps. Um, but in Maui, what really caught me for the first time in a long time, really since 2017, I saw a conviction in Spieth with everything he did. He just seemed very much like he knew what he was doing. And if you've ever watched Jordan's game before, you know, he rarely knows where the ball is going. This, this seemed to be at peace with the, not with the chaos, but just himself. And, you know, does that mean he'll be that guy again? And we saw seven, eight years ago, probably not, but for a guy who's always a danger at both the masters and the open. And unlike most U S open venues, I think Pinehurst calls for a creativity rather than just the brute force strength that most U S open venues have been as of late. Speed's the guy who could, you know, be in contention for three, three majors this year. Um, so if you're looking for a possible storyline to follow, I think the rejuvenation of speed is something we really need to put on our radar. Joel, I noticed that Phil Mickelson took himself out of consideration for a job <clears throat> that he wasn't actually under consideration for, which is the, the Ryder Cup captaincy at Beth Page in 2025. Do you think there's any chance that he ever actually serves as a Ryder Cup captain at this stage? Yeah, him taking himself out of Ryder Cup consideration, uh, it's a lot like you taking yourself out of U.S. Open local qualifying, uh, something that no one was really talking about. But, yeah, I, I don't see it happening. Um, honestly, I think to me this is this just gets to what has been the sad, saddest part of Phil's downfall because when you go, go back to that sabbatical in 2022, I still think there was a possible path for redemption for him, as unlikely as that sounds, because fans – They'd like to forgive, especially those who are remorseful. And if you remember that U.S. Open at Brookline, Phil, you know, he apologized for his strong opinions and he promised to keep himself, keep them to himself going forward. It seemed unlikely, but he at least seemed contrite. But for the past two years since that moment, he's done the exact opposite. He, he grandstands at every chance. Uh, you know, this is he pitches a reality that just doesn't exist. To be fair, this is kind of what Phil has always done. So in that sense, he hasn't changed, but. The, this just desperate need to continue to need the spotlight as it's going away from him. It it's just sad. Uh, why he can't move on, why he can't just go in peace. It remains baffling. I, I just can't ever, even, even if a peace becomes between live and in the PJ tour, I just can't see Phil ever coming, coming back to being a Ryder cup captain. Joel real quick is the biggest storyline of 2024 inside the ropes. Rory McIlroy's pursuit of a career grand slam. I think it is uh, cer certainly given all the things Rory has dealt with um, the past two years, him going into the masters. I mean, he's always going to be the one a storyline, not <laughs> far behind though. If you're at least you're looking for non Rory uh, headlines. I, I think if Victor Hovland can make the leap, this is a guy who's put himself in contention in major for two years now. And thus far he's kind of stumbled on those big stages. Now I'm a big believer that sometimes you need to stumble to figure out how to kind of stay on. And certainly Hovland proved at the end uh, of last season, both both of the FedEx Cup playoffs and the Ryder Cup, man, when he when he's when he's looking good, he's hard to beat. Um, and now with the short game that is kind of up to par with the rest of his game. It'll be really interesting to see if Victor Hovland can go on a, a run here, whether that's a couple of majors or that's four or five wins. I think he's a guy if you're looking for who can kind of step into that void of Rom leaving. I think Hovland's the guy to really watch. Joel, love what you do for Golf Digest. Thanks for joining us on this Tuesday. Thanks, guys.